tweet at us. It's super thoughtful. They were like, because today is Father's Day, who is the best dad in Westeros? Aww. Aww. That's like no contest. <laughs> no. Co- well, 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 hang on. Should we, is, is, is Nettered, uh... Allowed? Is he? Does he Why qualify? Why wouldn't he be? Or was he? <laughs> Why? Was he, disqual- was he disqualified when his head got cut off? You know. I think so. Yeah. I think what? that that cuts you out of the race. So yeah. what? Is I there mean- only dads left? Tywin and uh, Balan <laughs> or Balan? Well, also, Jamie Lannister. Come on now. Oh, well- Jamie. Yeah, there you go. He's oh. my pick. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is the Game of Thrones podcast. We talk about Game of Thrones and other things with each other. Do you like the show? We do. Yeah. Yeah. We had a bit of a a bit of a a, a break there uh, about about a week break. Um, which I wanted to address coming into the show just because we were so distraught over not having any new Game of Owns, Game of Thrones episode that we were just like, we have to collect our thoughts. And You, you wanted to dress, is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Micah could have picked one for you up in the city when he was in the city on the weekend yesterday. What was that like commuting deep into the bowels of King's Landing when you were supposed to be safe in the north? It was, a, it was good. It was a nice day, you know. Got to, uh, got to go in the city and... Chill. That's good. Micah had a had a a, a lunch rendezvous with uh, Mister Hypable himself. Selena didn't make it though. I don't. I'm not sure I why didn't. Selena could couldn't just teleport. I don't know. Yeah. What the hell, Selena? You let you let your team down. I haven't passed my apparition test yet. Well, <laughs> that's unfortunate for you, Selena, because the rest of us have been studying and all of our due diligence. And again, that's probably why we missed some some of our episode last week. Yeah, probably. Mm. It's a good reason. Designation, as any. determination, deliberation. There you go. Is it permissible that we miss? a week after the season finale I feel like that's like the only time where it's technically okay like no one we had only a few tweets and they were just like man I really missed the Game of Owns podcast I'm really like they were contemplating like throwing rocks at everybody like on their server like everybody that their ISP they're like is there a problem I don't understand my (laughs) iTunes isn't updating I'm not sure what's happening AT&T was getting calls off the hook and and we were uh, we we were working on other stuff, right? I, I think it was just we had to have that collective group crying session, which ended right. up lasting a lot longer than we thought because the season That's true. Mm-hmm. did come yeah. to well, an end. Yeah, it's very hard for us. In the interim, we uh, we made sure that on the actual Game of Owns website, we kept it peppered with lots of sort of uh, festive things to celebrate the simple fact that the show is over, but the fandom is still alive and well and doing its things, including but not limited to Daenerys Targaryen being posted on, uh, <laughs> on telephone poles. I guess people still need those around cities uh, asking for her dragons so hopefully hopefully she's you know found them doing all right with those yeah this I mean was so this was so funny because my friend um, one of my ex-coworkers from when I worked at borders in Wellington New Zealand posted this on her on her Facebook and she was like haha this is the greatest thing ever you know and and posted this and I thought that it was actually like a photo that she took and was like just walking on the street happens to be a Game of Thrones fan right sees this post this on her Facebook because that was the first place I had seen it so I went to post it on Game of Owns and I'm looking back and of course Wednesday like three days prior Game of Owns has posted this and I was Zing. like man it wasn't <laughs> I was just it was lost I was like okay so everybody knows about this now the Game but- of Owns fairies are diligent on posting some of this stuff right guys absolutely we have fairies now i found them i used the net and i put them inside of bottles 
Unfortunately, I can only carry four at a time, though, so it took a yeah. while. And be careful you don't mistake it for wildfire. <laughs> right. It's so elaborate. Such a story. Micah posted something last night, and I know that we, we don't really want to just like dwell on some of the funnier shit that's been posted this week on the website, but Micah, you posted something last night that was just so darn funny, and I feel like we need to give it an honorable mention. Yeah. I mean, just look at all the fucks I give. <laughs> well, 12 people liked it on Facebook, so you're not the only one, but it says, Happy Saturday night from King Robert. It's just another Saturday night in Westeros from Robert Baratheon, and it looks like he is willing to share the love with anyone. <laughs> I'll, put a li- I'll put a link in the show notes. It's pretty dang funny. I love that shit. Happy I think- Saturday night. <laughs> I think that was actually during his... um. His armor fitting session, he was like getting pissed off in the first uh-huh. season because it wouldn't fit him anymore. Yeah, that's well, well rightly so. Look at him. Yeah, that's true. He's getting a little pot belly on him. I can't watch most of season one without thinking of a night's tale. Now he was just one of the best squires of all time. Now he's king. Well, was king. I actually listen. I I, I just watched an episode of Lost. Yay! Um, before we recorded the show, and Locke caught a boar in a boar trap, and it makes so much sense because a boar is what took care of our Sir King Robert here, and so it's just like it's a full circle. All these so connected. All these yeah. worlds are, are colliding with each other. I heard mm-hmm. a rumor, and this is like a from having not read the book yet. I don't know this, although during this interview, I'm gonna read the books. Um, I heard that that whole thing was Cersei's fault. That that Robert actually got killed. She either paid someone to make sure he was drunk. Or she paid the boars. She was like, will you go and pay my husband? <laughs> I think it's I'm more sure likely that she was. paid the boars what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's and that's crazy vindictive, man. And she the, paid uh, the boar in sex, since that seems to be her thing. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> She's like, it's a tool that you'll learn to use oh, one day. Oh, my gosh. So it's-, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny she said that, because she only sleeps with Lannisters, isn't she? Well, I mean, uh. keeping it in the family. The family is powerful, though, mm-hmm. so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, Maybe obviously, we're talking about the, uh, the new Game of Thrones website, which a lot of you have probably checked out already but uh, just a quick reminder um total redesign total rethinking of the entire thing so it's full of really neat stuff uh, including the show and lots of other news and stuff so it's a few weeks ago old this news now um but we didn't have a chance to discuss it before because we were busy in season but there's been a number of new characters that are going to be introduced in season three that we should probably talk about because it's interesting first of all Oh my gosh, I th- we might have mentioned this before because it made me so excited that Jojen and Mira Reed will be appearing in season three. They will be. Eric, are you excited? I am super excited. <laughs> and for the people that are listening these that are only listeners that have watched the show and not read the book so far, these are some of the forest elves from the beginning yeah. of uh, Ocarina of Time from Kokiri Forest. Um, oh. Close. Yeah. Uh, oh, but they sorry. are they are two children uh, without giving because we don't want to spoil. But they are two children who appeared in the second book, and we were all really worried that they didn't appear in the show because they do play a very significant role later on. So I'm glad to see them appearing. Yeah. And uh, the the Benioff and Weiss, the showrunners, they sort of they sort of reasoned that they hadn't been introduced before by saying, you know, you've got like 300 characters that you hurl at an audience at the same time. <laughs> Um, and there's just too much, <laughs> yeah. basically what they said. So they want to stagger the introductions a little bit. And I guess waiting to introduce Georgian and Mira makes sense in that way. Um, some of the other characters that we're going to be seeing is Mance Raider, the king beyond the wall. Yes. Which will be really cool. We've heard a lot about him so far. Um, there's Dario Naharis, who is a confident and seductive warrior. 
So make of that what you Seductive warrior. Jon Snow, right? Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Wait, male um, or female this this This, this is one. a male. A seductive Settle male down, warrior. Eric. Settle okay. down, uh -huh. <laughs> So question is who he will be seducing. I think it's Loras. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's Edmer Tully, who is... Micah, correct me on this, but he is... Um, the brother of Caitlin, Catelyn, right? Yep. Yeah, he's the brother of Catelyn. He's also known as... Oh, no, that's uh, Brendan Tully. Oh, no, he's the uncle. I get there's too many Tullys. Edmure Tully is Caitlin's, Catelyn's brother. Sir Brendan Tully, who's also being introduced, is her uncle. Selena, why don't we just stagger this casting news so you don't have to introduce so many people at once? Just take a leaf out of Benioff and Weiss's book and just stagger them out. Well, I wanted to just say that uh, Shireen, who is Stannis' daughter, is the per first person who's been cast in the second season. And that's interesting, because I swear that earlier in season two, they said he didn't have children. Oh, wow. Oh, so maybe he didn't have a son. Maybe that's what they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, maybe they just said son. I swear they said children, though, because I remember being like, but what about Shireen? But yeah, she's she's gonna, she's coming. <laughs> <laughs> and some other people. <laughs> and how about this? How about this new video game that's coming out? This Medal of Hodor. Oh, oh yeah. I heard about <laughs> it. I heard you get this Storm Winterfell B or... Uh, well, I'm trying to think of Wait, Blackwater what, Beach. What does he Normandy shoot Beach. people with, though? His AK-47 or his M6, man. Obviously. You call it what you want, Eric. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. If that were his, like, a really badass um, semi-automatic... I would like to win a, the Medal of Hodor. Hodor that would be a great honor. Now, I have a question, though. In Medal of Hodor, do you get to um, chop off former president's heads and put them on spikes? Oh yeah. gosh! Only uh -oh. only the bad former presidents. Only the people. Only the presidents that the public as a whole would say, "Oh, that's totally acceptable." Which should be none of the presidents. But you'd be surprised. Now, we should we should say to you know talk about this that um, this supposed head of George uh, George R. Martin. That's not the right one. Uh, George Bush. <laughs> it's okay, George you're from w. Sweden. Bush. George W. Bush. Right? George yes, who's supposedly some president somewhere. I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, no. So this this head that allegedly appeared in Game of Thrones and which the producers pointed out in the commentary appeared in the first season of Game of Thrones, it was not actually his head. Like, they did not actually make it to resemble him. It was just a head that happened to look like him that oh. made it into the show. Yeah, so and then they pointed it, it out Game in the commentary. And but they 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 released an official apology. Uh, actually, they HBO did. was like, "Hey guys, this is unacceptable. This was disrespectful and in very bad taste." And like they they pretty much put out a statement saying we did not support this. And then the producers put out a statement saying, "Oh shit, well we didn't mean to necessarily, but it is funny, right, everybody?" And I, I feel like there's like mixed opinions all over the place about it. See, I think it's weird because I look at that head and I think it looks like Will Ferrell. <laughs> you know, <laughs> completely. I've acceptable <laughs> no but i'm just saying like it's just and and now you know they've re they've re they've taken back all the dvd like they're not producing the season one dvds anymore they've taken the episodes of itunes and hbo go trying to like fix the problem and it's just what? created this whole whole big thing wow but it yeah. does look like him from a side profile there's no question i mean if you know President Bush. I mean, and you've seen if his he was in Def Leppard, then it would make sense. I mean, yeah, the fact well, that, yeah, that he's somebody gotta... pointed this out, you know, hey, this looked like former President George W. Bush, head on the spike, that kind of thing, you know, I, whether or not it's in poor taste, I'm like, this is not the first time I've seen the president or former president lampoon so heavily that it's a little ridiculous, I think. Right. Um, well, to ever think that this that is could going be very off topic for a second, but imagine, okay, that that 
was President Obama, the shitstorm that that would create. So, yeah, I mean, he's an acting president, too, so it's a little no, no. different. Well, there's a whole yeah. other issue there that I'm sure would right. come up. Yeah. But the point is, right. it, it's not appropriate no matter what. I mean, right? It's not. It's not. Yeah. That said, though, to be honest, if they, if Game of Thrones approached me and said, "Can we use your likeness to put on a stake your head?" I would be so honored. I would so, love so, that. Would so, make my so life. So, Ben Hoffenweiss, next time you're thinking of putting a former president's head on a spike, just call just Selena. Just go with me. You know, yeah, just go with me. Her head is, happy much, is much Longer more appropriate. <laughs> Little mm-hmm. do you guys know, the listening you know, to this podcast, but Selena is actually the interim president of Sweden. Right now. That's true. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? And, How and is the Stockholm queen? this time of year? Actually, it's, it's beautiful. Mm, beautiful yes, place. The, the view from my <laughs> castle. No, seriously though. <laughs> You know, put my head on a stake. I don't care. Yeah. But not my yeah. real head because I need that. I, I, I feel like they obviously have to. They're giving this such serious, like, action because the show is so successful and they want to keep it that way. They don't want any controversy surrounding this show that so far has had just a, pretty much a clean slate, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're taking the necessary steps, even yeah, though right. they're a little for extreme. Such a, for such a dirty show, this is, I mean, you can call it a dirty show, right? The thematically, it's dark. It's very. Um, graphic at times but like this is the first time that it's actually gotten this kind of attention hasn't it i mean for yeah for, yeah. for having i mean there has been far. all those issues issues of it possibly being sexist we've talked about that before on the show right. but this is right. i guess this is a bit different well coming from an era piece like a time piece like this that's like in our idea of medieval you're allowed to get away with a lot of stuff like the sex and the violence and the sexism um, because you're dating it so you're kind of getting away with a lot of shit but when you throw something that's so modern into it like say for example they really did put George Bush's head on a spike then you're then you're then you're causing a little bit of trouble like it's totally different than just having some gratuitous sex or violence like that's mm. then you're making then you're causing an issue even if it wasn't though I don't really know if they meant to do it I doubt that they did no I mean, what what it reminds me of, though, when I read that article, I was like, oh, that's like what X-Files did. In their second movie, there's this scene where Mulder and Scully are back at FBI headquarters. They're walking down the hallway. There's this picture of then-current president, I believe, George W. Bush, and they both look like – they look at each other like, oh, isn't this weird? He's the president. And then this this musical cue that do, 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 do plays, and it's like completely silent otherwise except for this thing, and it's it's meant to invoke this laugh in the audience like, oh, he's an alien or something. But it's just like totally like not appropriate at all. It's not respectful. Like uh, the the five guys on the film production team that okayed that, that thought that was a good idea, be, had a moment of immaturity in another way. It's kind of funny though. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But, yeah, but I'm, you know what I'm saying. Like I felt it was in poor taste because I'm like, well, yeah, you don't. If you're if you're making a movie for wide audiences, you have to assume that at least forty percent of them are going to be offended by that. Right. But what um, I'm curious though is is why did this come to the surface now? I mean, is it just an interview that was done? I, I know it says DVD commentary, but it, this seems like something that would have leaked during filming, almost not you know just happened that somebody mm-hmm. caught it on on a DVD commentary. But I mean, I think overall we all agree, regardless of what your political affiliation is, when you chop off the head of a world leader and put it on a spike. 
it's in poor taste. Oh yeah, but that's the question: is if that's what they really did? Well, which what I they, doubt they what did. They sa- what they said officially was: the last head on the left is George Bush. George Bush's head appears in a couple of beheading scenes. It's not a choice. It's not a political statement. We had we just had to use whatever head we had around. So yeah, but they also <laughs> clarify that it's not actually him. Like right. they, they're just saying, "Oh, look, that looks like him." Ha ha ha. Right. But they're right. not saying, "Oh, we made this head." Of him. Right. <laughs> or we had a head lying around. Right. Of him. This is ass, though. Like, they share... It's funny, though, because certain props and stuff do bleed over to different films. And, like, depending on what studios you're working with and where the props are kept, it just, it's 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 cool, usually, from... Like, I always like those stories where props travel um, to different pictures. And even, even among, uh, like, the Harry Potter series, they basically used all these props from earlier films in the last movie for the room of requirement because they have all that junk in the room requirement. So like that kind of stuff fascinates me, but, but yeah, I mean, leaving, having a a head that looks like George Bush just lying around and using it is like, well, okay, I get they're trying to cut production costs, but, um, (laughs) I know it's very interesting. I mean, what, what was that I, head like? His lying around from? You know, I wanted, yeah, like that's what, what I was the last know. time they used a it's head. Just that, a head. It's just a head. State of the union address, guys. Come on, yeah. <laughs> the aliens are using it. I want to know what he thinks because I feel like he's a pretty he laid back guy. Care. He's yeah. playing golf. He, he laugh, doesn't care. Choke on a pretzel and that's yeah, have his saying, dog no one... save his life again. And... <laughs> dogs before no one cares it's like i said they're just making a big deal about something because they want to keep the show squeaky clean and i appreciate that because that's what this podcast and everything is about so stay clean and and hopefully everyone keeps watching Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's great uh publicity in the hiatus i used a uh (laughs) i used a live ak-47 on a music video i shot last month eric so that's what uh that that's how props get exchanged and um (laughs) it was like hey we got a briefcase with uh with a passcode on it that's metal and an ak-47 should we find a way to put it in the video and i was like all right (laughs) 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 that's just how it goes (laughs) well this is this is a this is a fun situation because first off we uh we used a bit of time travel i called up my friend the doctor and uh we use he, we, we borrowed his tardis for only an episode um last week um and i say last week i mean the week before last but we talked about the season finale and we had to split up ourselves due to travel and crazy stuff that um half of us were doing and um this is the first time we've all four been together at the same time simultaneously to like even talk about what has happened with this show being over and stuff. Mm. I feel like it's daunting. I feel like Selena's been just super excited to start spilling her guts about it again, personally. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, know? <laughs> you can just hear my excitement emanating. Well I think I think your excitement is partially due to the fact that we're recording lower time in an afternoon. Oh my gosh, I know. That's what's so difficult for me. I'm usually like half deluded by sleep. And now I'm all awake and it's confusing. What are you deluded by in the other half? Just Swedish, Swedish, what? Well, what the other it? half I'd like to think is pretty lucid, but okay, okay. <laughs> maybe not. Okay. No? That makes sense. I also have the whole language barrier to get through. You know, I have to sit with Google Translate and every yeah. time you guys say something, it's, it's just hard for me. What? <laughs> well, the, the, the language barrier has been proving a slight problem with us um, over, our uh-huh. group, over our group instant messaging because we use iMessage. And um, <laughs> it turns out that the, uh, and this is something that Selena has just learned, but the, uh, the New York version of Hodor is Jody, right, Micah? <laughs> Jody, Jody. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> There, but I, I've actually uh, I've typed Hodor enough into the iPhone that it's it's somehow uh, memorized it, and anytime <laughs> I try and type Hodor, it it 
or I misspell it only by a letter, it'll actually give me Hodor as an option. But prior Aww, to that, I know you so well. Yeah, prior to that, gonna, it was Jody. I'm gonna Jody. put a screenshot of that in the show notes. That yeah. was just too funny. Yeah, it was it was so difficult to talk to each other about the show on iMessage because these character names are some. We were trying Balin, and it came up as Campbell. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Mad Men. I'm talking about Game of Thrones. Like, right. You know, Jody as Hodor. That's perfect. I guess you, listeners can understand. We talk about Hodor quite a bit more than I think he's earned. <laughs> oh, no, year. definitely not. Well, Come on. We're kind of obsessed <laughs> with, with Hodor. So this Do you remember was his big, wheelbarrow? So good. This was a big deal. But let's talk about the show, the last episode, a little last bit. Last episode. Because this is the yeah. first time, as we mentioned before, that all of us are together talking about the finale. And yeah. I just wanted to kind of get a feeling for, did you guys feel overwhelmed did you feel underwhelmed did you feel that it was a good send-off compared to season one which i felt personally didn't really leave you which with much you know you had the whole scene with daenerys and the dragons obviously but you didn't really get much else because baylor was such a powerful episode you had the same thing now going on this season with blackwater being such a powerful episode but do you feel that this season's finale was better than season one? I feel like this season finale was better than Blackwater, personally. Wow. Yeah, that's how I feel. I think that the finale was great, and the way they entered it was beautiful. I think that that, that last entire sequence was better than the entire episode of Blackwater, and I really liked the episode mm. of Blackwater. That that sequence was just brilliant, what they did. That entire pulling out to, to that wide shot, showing the scale of the threat, was just perfect. I gotta say, as far as the, the finales go, I think that... Daenerys stepping out of the fire with the three dragons um, around her. I think that was perhaps a, a more memorable. Like everybody was talking about that. Everybody yeah. it sort of it changed the entire yes. show. And I feel like that the last the season the season two finale did that too with the uh, blue eyed zombie warrior guy. Um, but I I don't know. In that case, like the final shot, I think the first season finale was better. But overall, as an episode, I think season two was definitely way better. I think for me, season two, I'm caring about the characters more, uh, e you know, even more. I've, kn I've known them. I've spent more time with them, uh, you know. So for that reason, I think that season two is, you know, the finale is, is, is stronger because the season two finale has all these implications in it. Like, well, the Lannisters didn't get thwarted. They're going to continue to rule. Joffrey is going to make a toy out of Sansa, um, you know, which Baelish is like, you're not safe, you know. Don't even... Don't even think you're safe or, or better off now that he's um, marrying, you know, this this other woman. And I just think that, uh, you know, T Tyrion is is in a, is in a low state, which almost never happens on the show. And I'm uh, yeah, I was just emotionally drawn into this uh, finale more than I was the last one. Right. And so, did mm -hmm. were you getting really, really worked up during Theon's speech, Eric, and then kind of got blue <laughs> balls when he got knocked on the back of the head? <laughs> well, I, I, I mentioned this in the last episode. I thought that um, his character, uh, it was a very strong character choice for him to choose not to run. And uh, for that, I adore or admire um, young Theon. But, you know, fortunately, there are smarter people than him on his guard, and they have a better plan of escape, it seems. You mentioned this earlier, though, um, with respect to Tyrion, and I know we talked a little bit about it on the last episode, but kind of wondering what your thoughts are on... We saw a lot of people who were at the top of their game or safe fall. Um, 
relatively quickly. And Tyrion does it really within a span of less than an episode where he's on top his hand of the king. He's had this great success with Blackwater. And then all of a sudden you see him waking up in a bed, very vulnerable and clearly disconnected from what's going on um, with his father and his sister. The, the thing that made mm-hmm. that seem bearable, though, was Varys saying, you know, yeah, the history books are never going to write about you. Um, your father, you know, replaced you as Hand of the King like he was always supposed to. You're no longer in power. But we will remember, you know, yeah. the, that it was you who saved. And I was like, not only is that a great speech, Varys makes Varys an almost okay person, but it gave, I think it gave real motivation, gave real hope for, you know, to Tyrion um, there. And, and and Tyrion is the kind of character that won't go away, um, you know, no matter how many times he's set back. I think he's he's got a, a strong enough character that he will continue to do what he has always done, which is try to keep his family, you know, in in check while, while still maintaining the honor that you know, being a, a Lannister um, dictates. And without knowing anything about the plot of the next book, other than that, eventually there are zombies. Probably doesn't happen for another three books, though, the way this series goes. <laughs> um, you know, knowing without knowing anything about that, I can just say I know Tyrion will still... I mean, it's almost more freeing now that he's unemployed. Um, because when you're royalty in this series, you can do pretty much anything you want. So I want to know what he ends up wanting to do. This is kind of a question for everybody, but do you feel that the the hand of the king position is kind of similar? And I think somebody else tweeted this at us at one point. Um, you know, in a way, to the defense against the dark arts position. Oh my god, that's that so true. People can't true. stay in that spot. You know, you had John Aaron, you had Ned Stark, you have Tyrion, wow. now you have Tywin, and who knows what's going to happen to him. You do, probably. <laughs> we're, deal- we're, dealing with, we're dealing with this world in which, I mean, it's only st- it's still recovering, I'd say, from the Mad King, right? Where there was this huge fight, obviously the person in the most in power is, is the least likely to ever be removed from that power. It did eventually happen with the Mad King, but I'm saying like the hand of the king is the toughest place to be in because the king's not going to be removed. No, it's going to be the the hand of the king, the person next to it, the person seen doing the the dirty work. The person who actually has power. The person, well, a- yeah, the person who actually has power, but also the one who does the dirty work is going to, you mm-hmm. know, is fighting the king's battles, is passing the king's sentences, you know, all that stuff. So, so, and is unfortunately close enough to the Lannisters to discover their secret in the case of John Aaron or Ned Stark, or you know, is is just in this interim position where once his father arrives, he's no, you know, he's not needed anymore like Tyrion. So, and Tyrion's stay as hand of the King was only temporary. Cause remember in season one, that Tywin appoints him to go to King's landing and serve in his stead while he's yeah. out fighting this war. But, you know, Tyrion did a great job as hand of the King, um, really. And won the war, at least in this particular stage on behalf of Joffrey. So to me, it was surprising to see that he was in this state, you know, getting abused in a certain way by Grandmaster Pycelle uh, and not really being given the honorable mention that he deserves. You know, you mentioned what Varus said to him, um, but it, it, but it, to me, it doesn't seem like he's getting the recognition that he deserves because without him, really, they would all would have been lost before Tywin even showed up. 
the problem is, I think vanity. I mean, they've always he's Tyrion's always gotten the short stick, <laughs> you know, because he no pun intended, no pun intended there, but because because he's an imp, and now because he has no face anymore, um, you know, what are they gonna do? You know, celebrate him when he when in fact he just reminds people of his injuries will remind people of the harsh times when I think the Lannisters are all about moving forward and celebrating the victory. Um, you know, that King's Landing face, like, unfortunately, yet again, Tyrion's going to get pushed off to the side. Um, and it's just because that his family is so vain and they don't, they don't like him. They don't, he's got these amazing redeeming qualities. He's got, he's got, he's a great person, but they'll never give him the respect that he deserves just because he looks different. Um, and unfortunately that is, is just made that much worse, uh, by his injuries, uh, during the Blackwater. Which I, I get are greatly downplayed on on television from what they are in the book. Well, how do you guys how do you guys feel about Daenerys now? Uh, after a season, uh, yeah, Zach, what do you think about her? Is she still kind of a about Danny an attention whore? Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I don't. I guess I don't really feel any different than I did before. I just don't. I don't feel like she's the uh, she's the king or the queen. I just feel like she's part of the game. You know, does that make sense? I just, yeah, I just, I'm so annoyed with, like, that's one of the things I'm most annoyed with is that how I loved her in season one. I love her in the books and I just cannot stand her in the second season. And it's like, you don't even want to root for her. And if you don't want to root for her, then her entire story is pointless. I think it was more of an issue with me when the the season was just beginning and there were still a lot of people like Selena, for example, that was really into the Danny boat because she had such of an ep- she had such an epic ending to the first season and they didn't really have an idea of what was going to happen to her in the second. And I just had a feeling uh-huh. with the way with the way they were setting up her character in the first couple episodes, like using my mind and assuming what they were going to do with it the rest just the pacing they had built for her i i I had a feeling that it was going to be a pretty boring story arc for her this season particularly so i found myself every time you know her scene came on the screen just kind of sighing and being like all right can't wait till it shows something same that they're taking the screen time away from some Westeros shit, you know? So you're like, this is going to be the underwhelming plot thread of the season. You called that early on. Well, yeah. Yeah. For me personally, that's how it was. Yeah. I feel like it was slow in the book as well, but she was just more likable. I don't know. I feel like stuff will happen later in her story that will make her likable yeah. again. But it, look, it's it's okay though it, because Game of Thrones, the the whole entire book series, it's not it's not one hundred percent the most amazing crafted story of all time. It's not something that's targeted like a Potter book or um, a, a lot less of a. Uh, ambitious story with all of these different characters like i still felt like lord of the rings was very ambitious and had a wide scaping or wide sloping landscape but they still had the ability and by they i mean tolkien still had the ability to zero it in and keep the uh, story um with each character even when they were separated from each other and you see that a lot in two towers and return of the king he he, he kept a way to make it um enjoyable for every character's arc and he didn't really let another person just wander and do something that wasn't useful it all still had a purpose in some way and in the book and in this this show which they adapted from the book so it's really they didn't have much to pull from that's what we're dealing with with Danny's character it's just I don't want to say it was the uh, product of poor writing because I 
definitely don't feel like it was the product of poor writing, but that's the way he wanted her story to be. He wanted to put more emphasis on the warring kings rather than her at this point, and she's probably going to have a massive role later on when Ice Meets Fire, you know? No, I, I think that's a <laughs> yeah, when that eventually fair analysis. Happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's just splitting stuff up in a world where we're used to, we're not quite... That's not the kind of stories that we see nowadays. We're very um, instant gratification. Like that's how these that's how people are nowadays. Like we want to be fed, and we, that's it. We want to. You're saying that's D- it. D- Danny's a slow burning candle. Exactly. I think yeah. one of the the major things that hurt her particularly this season was there was not as much interaction back with what was going on. Uh, let's even say in King's Landing, you had that one mention uh, when Tyrion and Varys were talking about her and her dragons but i feel like overall she's very secluded from what's going on with the other events and what you said zach about when it came on scene or her scenes came on the screen you kind of just felt underwhelmed and you really weren't interested i mean i kind of felt the same way like can we just get through this so we can get back to you know the action that's going on yeah there's that's why you need her to be her story to be interesting and her to be a, a sympathetic character that you want to see win you know, because she doesn't have any ties to anyone else. I think one of this season's weaknesses was how long they drew out the House of the Undying visit. You know, compared with what actually yes. happened, like we knew that the um, magician, creepy face, was going to get it. Um, but the, I guess the way that he did it, I, I don't know, just like you don't steal dragons and then under, underestimate the capabilities of dragons. Like that's just dumb. Okay, it was a, it was a bit underwhelming. It I'll was just un- it was underwhelming. But I mean, like you guys were saying in the during the first season, it's an issue of the the king's council whether or not Daenerys and her brother were going to be uh, should be killed um, because they're they're still out there somewhere. You know, right. and so there was this real suspense back home with us, and they were like, "Oh, they're going to send somebody to go kill her." But wait, Jorah's the spy, and all this interesting stuff was happening there. You know, this season they're just trying to stay alive, which is respectable, but um, it tended, you know, tended to verge on the melodramatic sometimes uh, because of where it fit, where that card fit in this in this uh, season. I didn't walk away from the finale thinking less, or even the whole series as a whole, thinking less of it because of how they handled sort of the, uh, like I said, it was a little anticlimactic in the House of the Undying. They really built up to it for about four episodes. I didn't walk away thinking less of it as a whole. It's just the fact of the matter, there's there's humans making this show and not everything is going to be perfect. So, I don't I'm, I'm not walking away thinking less of it because of it, but but it does have mm-hmm. to be it, it does have to be said that comparatively speaking to the rest of the series and how much it owns and how many different things that they do that is just amazing and perfect i feel like this was definitely uh, noticeably below par to a lot of things um the fact that they brought cal drogo back was exciting and when she's running around yeah. the throne room in the snow was also super exciting um but then the actual rescuing of her dragons was predictable. And maybe also one of the reasons why she was kind of underwhelming is because there were so many powerful women in this season that Ooh, were introduced, you that, know. You th- that's, that's yeah, makes sense. You know, I'd like to see Daenerys and her little baby drags go up against big Brienne. You know what I'm saying? I know, right? <laughs> yeah, Brienne. We had Brienne. We had, uh, what's her face? Melisandre. Uh, Renly's bride. We had Melisandre. Yeah, yeah we had... Yeah. Um, 
uh, what's her face? Marjorie. Marjorie. We had Cersei, yeah. obviously. Sansa was really, you know, because I've, I've always liked Sansa, but this season she just, she stopped being scared and she just started sort of owning in her own way. And right. uh, Arya, obviously. Um, Catelyn. There's just so, and y- Yara. There's just so many powerful women. And I think Daenerys, as the potential queen of Westeros, kind of loses that. That oof, you know? That, that's my whole point that I've been making since the beginning. Like, I was trying to understand why everyone thought she was so great and amazing. And I figured, I mean, from the first season in a vacuum, she looked like a total badass. But, I mean, now that we have so much more perspective, that's why, and I'm so, it's interesting that, like, you're on this side of the fence now, Selena, and you, you have been for the past handful of episodes, but basically what you just said is, is exactly why I felt the way I feel. It's not that I dislike Danny; it's that she's less of, she's not that huge of a deal to me anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. But again, that's only how I feel in the show. In the actual books, I'm still, I still really enjoy her, her storyline. But do you feel it's also because, you know, season one, she was building up this army. She was re- getting ready to go to war. Cal Drogo finally says, all right, we're taking this across the narrow sea. We're going to, you know, get the throne back for you. And then he kicks the bucket and everything falls apart. And you're kind of left with this, I don't want to call her a disinteresting character, but I just felt the whole season two, she just, there was nothing captivating about her. Yeah, you know, nothing that really drew you in as as you know, other than maybe her looks as as a as a viewer of the show. No, I'm being serious. It, you know, it's one of those things where her story just did not kind of have that same level of interest as it did back in season one. I, I like though that this show still showed her that much, just because like I feel like you have to for a TV audience, you need to kind of keep up with the same amount of characters, like or the same characters that you've introduced. Like that's what we were talking about earlier. They were giving Jamie some scenes that weren't in the book. They were giving Robert or Rob Rob Stark some scenes that weren't in the book, just because it you know they had devoted so much time to them in the first season, or at least enough that for the show they were considered main characters. And so even though Daenerys's story fell flat in the book. I'm glad that they still let us know she was there. I mean, presumably she'll have a lot more interesting things to do later on. And I guess, you know, they're showing all these other people getting ready for war. Like, even if Danny were getting ready for war, it probably also would have been uninteresting because it's happening so much, you know, everywhere else in the world. And in the span of 10 episodes, the fact that they had to pay off all of the, the plots of people, you know, trying to get to war and have a resolution, like, Danny's war just moves at such a slower pace. Um, yeah. So that's, I think that's well, yeah, what it because is. it's almost like, you know, you're playing a game and she had to hit the reset button after <laughs> she lost her, <laughs> she her lost Kalisar, her man and yeah, she's got so, to build up an army all over again. But I'm saying there's not much that's captivating about that. I feel like that's true. She doesn't have the counterparts, you know, from a, um, character standpoint that are really that interesting. Well, on top of all of that, she's a character that I know I talked about this before, but her entire idea for war, her reason behind everything is very selfishly driven versus um, necessity that the other characters have. So we're dealing yeah. with uh, sort of a conflict of morality with her too, as well. And that's just going to put a negative taste in people's mouth on top of that. But do you yeah. but do you feel if they had another character, let's say that they had uh, built up in season two um, or even introduced last season and you had sort of that coming together of her and this other major character, would it have made for better TV than just kind of seeing her off on her own, isolated from everything that's going on? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. 
I think that's one of the reasons why so many people are like crack shipping John and Daenerys. <laughs> Just because they desperately want stories to sort of intertwine. Eventually huh. they will. There's going to be a big payoff for all that. I see it all coming. And, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. it's just a bit, it's he's be. just building it up is, is all it is and it, it's great because I, I feel like it's a little ambitious like I said because a lot of different um, s- storytellers would have done it and made it sort of a sooner payoff to wrangle people in and to give them mm-hmm. you know something to be happy about early on but I have a feeling that it's going to be so powerful when it does happen that people are going to forget about the boring times yeah well I mean looking at the other thing is like looking at each of these episodes of the show in season two but also at each of the episodes of the podcast every episode we had really exciting things to talk about and there were always these moments that just outshone the others but also all these like as a whole or as as each episode on its own is is extremely exciting well let's talk briefly then about what we think is going to happen to these characters moving forward uh we're obviously left with some cliffhangers um but you're sort of the major characters of the season um you know, what do you think is next? You know, starting with Tyrion, I guess, would be a good place to start. Tyrion has to heal a little bit and he has to find himself, you know, find himself a new position where he can uh, have the power that he craves, I guess. Not that he craves power, but the influence, I guess, that that, that he craves, the um, ability to still relate to his family because they're really important to him. Like, what I would do if I were him is I would move away with Shay and run. And, you know, go find an island somewhere. But I don't think he's going to do that simply because he has, like, this need to be a member of his family. Like, an active member of his family. So He just wants to have fun. It's fun. It's fun to do bad things. (laughs) He likes to mess with people. Yeah. But, like, he's not going to take Shay and run, even though he should. Even after all that love she showed to him in that scene in the finale that's just boring like the thing with like he doesn't want to run off and hang out with shit that's just boring <laughs> but he it's doesn't want her to die either this is like yeah but it's just not as fun let's be honest here like uh going off and hanging out in some like resort village uh that could be cool Pinto that's what he should fun. do like his family doesn't need Aww. him like or if they no. need him they don't no, if that's the, not fun. Let's yeah. be honest here. There's a war for kings happening right now. You want to be in the middle of the mix, guys. This is what the world is crazy right now. Yeah, the world is changing. Come on, I don't speak Elvish in the show. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, but I mean, as far as the rest of the Lannisters go, I mean, obviously we're going to see Joffrey rocking the throne a little bit more, and I think that Tywin's ironic glance at him across the uh, throne room that after his horse did his business was uh <laughs> Was a uh, kind of a foreshadowing to know that there's going to be a little bit of a a little bit of a change there, a little bit of change of power. Uh, Tywin Lannister is going to maybe make King's Landing part of his own, and his little little guy and his little family is not going to have much to do about it. Did and, you uh, did you get that from that look? Yes, that he gave him. I didn't get that at all. I was just like, what I got was when he. I, what I'm talking about is when uh, Tywin says, "Your Grace," and he's looking down, obviously because his his nephews on the throne or whatever and i was just like this is weird because i feel like tywin's giving this unduly amount of respect to the king there was no respect at all there was no respect okay yeah i think last episode i said it was something along the lines of i want to come up there and strangle the air out of your lungs you little shit um because that's how i honestly (laughs) believe that tywin feels about joffrey 
That's what uh, that's what the horse shit was supposed to represent, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like oh. he was like, "Eh, whatever. This is all just a big." Right. But, he I mean, doesn't fine, care. That's the thing. It's necessary. He yeah, thinks it's, it's necessary. Joke. Well, it's it's just uh, it's just kind of like the uh, it's kind of like Boardwalk Empire sort of. It's the uh, the power around the actual throne. If the throne would be the presidency, it's the people that are making the deals on the back end to get people elected. Like it's just you don't want to necessarily be the guy in the public limelight. You get parts of pop culture putting your head on a spike you don't want that kind of attention (laughs) you just want to be able to actually make decisions and you don't have to be in that seat to make decisions let some other like putts sit in that chair and get all the hate and all the blame they get all the blame and they get none of the glory and on the other side you get to be rich and you get to do whatever you want so you think westeros under joffrey's control Obviously, going down the tubes, not a good idea. Westeros under Tywin's control? Now, that could actually be something cool, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. Would it, but, I think we talked about this last week yeah, as well. But it's a world where the Starks are not welcome, because the characters that we're most vested in uh, are Sansa, Arya, and you know John to an extent, and Rob. Yeah. Well, speaking of Arya, what about her? I mean, what's next for her and Hot Pie and Gendry? Uh, They're probably going to go to a bakery soon just to yeah. uh, please one of their um, compadre traveling companions. <laughs> and beyond that, um, they're going to make a trek north to the wall. Am I right? Is that, is that what's happening? Or are they going to go south mm-hmm. to visit the family? No, they're. I think they're going to go on their way, right? Wasn't it on their way to the wall? But it was, um, it was, it was Bran and and Yara and them who were, you know, Yara, Ash. It was, it was Tonks, Asha, who was going to take them to the wall, right? It, like it wasn't, it wasn't that Arya and Gendry were also going to the wall. I thought the only people who talked about going to the wall were Bran and, and Rickon and his captors. I feel like I feel like everybody is always on going the way to the, the wall. wall. <laughs> Why? Right. Why? What's at the wall? Like it's cold. It's, um, it's, it's a neutral territory. Yeah, it's neutral territory. It's Switzerland. Exactly. It is. <laughs> yes, Switzerland it is. was really cold. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. and less chocolate. Um, and it's uh, it's it's like uh, Selena, you were saying in an earlier episode. Um, I'm not sure if it made the actual final cut. But you said it was a plot device. You feel like that they're using. Everyone's always on their way yeah, to the wall. It was. Uh, I think you did cut that out, and I was listening. I was like, "Why did you take that out?" It was a brilliant. It's because point. you called it Winterfell the whole time. You kept okay. calling it Winterfell. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. If you want to restate, yeah, if you want to restate that point, yeah, go ahead and remake your point. All right, I'll, I'll remake my point. This is the extended edition. Um, <laughs> I feel like people are always going to to the wall. Oh my god, I almost said it again. To the wall. <laughs> exactly. Winterfell. <laughs> I just I just give up. <laughs> it was okay. a good point. Yeah, well, well like, it makes sense. I get that. Geographically, it's the furthest away from the capital too. So if you're talking about somehow subverting uh, power or the rules not applying to you, you're going to go. I guess as far away as possible from the seat of power. Well, and I guess just to kind of wrap up though, with these characters, you know, what happens then to the war itself? You know, you have Rob who who's kind of just sitting and waiting. You have Stannis who is back on Dragonstone. Is is he going to regroup and try and attack again? Is he going to try and you know maybe partner up with Rob? How is this all going to? play itself has, out has Stannis gone off the deep end when he was staring into the fire and he was like <laughs> yes I finally see it I was like uh, I don't know I wish we could have seen what he was seeing because apparently he saw all this destruction that his lady friend was telling him about 
Um, yeah, he wasn't know. happy. He almost choked her to death. Yeah, they have Sometimes a really weird relationship. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm going to tell this joke, and it's no, I'm not. I'm not going to tell this joke. I'll type it to you guys later. Anyway, Rob Stark. What I see for them in the future is just whoever he was promised to. Her family is going to flip some shit, and they're going to have to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, Argus is not going to be happy. Argus Filch is going to sick his cat. You killed my cat. I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm just that, at the that end was of the chamber. The, that was probably the darkest part of Chamber of Secrets, now that I think about it. Like, the movie, you know? Was when, Filch? Was David Bradley flipping out on young Dan Radcliffe? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> but, I mean, I just like the fact that you're left with this feeling that this war is taking place on so many different fronts. You know, especially when you get exposed to Mance Raider's army that he has beyond the wall. And then you see the White Walkers mm-hmm. at the end of the season. So, there's a completely different element to this now than what we were experiencing all season long in, you know, in and around King's Landing. And now it's like, wow, you know, this is... This is a massive war. There's so many different fronts that this is taking place on and what happens when it all comes together. Absolutely. And I think that's sort of, it's sort of really brilliantly illustrated by the opening credits because it's kind of like, where do you look? You know, you want to look everywhere. You're sort of looking in with the telescope, quote unquote, that's us, the viewers. And you keep switching from place to place because all these things are going on. And it just so many things are happening that just seem so inconsequential when all the zombie people storm in. <laughs> Gotta watch the throne, man. Gotta watch it. Yeah. Know? Well, the old, the old expression, uh, you play the game of thrones, you win or you die. Like, mm-hmm. going by that, is it foreseeable that all of these factions, all of these groups will be reduced down to, like, just two by the end of it all? And then they're going to be playing the game of thrones to win or die? You think and they'll do it like Royal Rumble style, where you have to throw your opponent over the top rope? Like WWF right now? You throw I'm, thinking, down. I'm thinking of butt wrestling. I'm Hell in the cell. Exactly. It's going to happen to Tyrion versus Stannis. The steel cage. It's like, it's like Danny's Dragons versus this guy from the White Walkers. The He's one. the oldest. He's the that baddest. That would be awesome. <laughs> In the red He's corner. the whitest. Yeah, he's the whitest of them. He's the whitest. Um, one it's, thing I... I didn't get to mention last week. I wanted to mention it this week um, about Stannis very quickly. Is that there was some remorse about killing Renly for like a split second there? He was like, "I killed my brother, and it was for nothing," you know. So I thought that was very cool. But sorry, mm-hmm. it had been for something that would have been all right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just kill your brother. Well, yeah, but he he just seemed like for a sec- for a moment there when he was all defeated, like he was like, "I killed my brother. Didn't really need to do that, I guess." And, because I lost the war anyway, right? She was just like, My real question is what someone like Inigo Montoya would do if he was in the Game of Thrones universe. I feel like he would just set a lot of people straight, you know? It just makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> so it's been a week since our last time we've met you guys here on the podcast plane, which means audio plane for your ear holes. And um, we've had a little thing go out. And by a little thing go out, I mean we uh, talked to you guys about... The uh, owns of the week, all season, and by season I mean all beginning episodes of Game of Owns. And now that we've reached the end of this television series of this year, we thought, you know what would be great? We should just source the entire owns, the owns of the entire season. So we threw out a post on Hypable.com, we threw out a post on GameOwns.com. We sourced your responses from both of those places, also Twitter and Facebook, and we have just an, a staggering, overwhelming response from a lot of you guys. And um, I feel like everyone sort of got their own personal opinions on what 
own has sort of grown into, what it has evolved into and becoming. And so we're going to take a a kind little selection out of your responses and uh, feed them back into the show and back into your ears. So it's like a, a full circle process. It's like the circle of life and it moves us all, uh, whatever the next line is. Uh, I forget because he's a lion and he's singing, but you guys get the you guys get the point, right? Do, 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 do. No, I don't remember. <laughs> exactly, something about a bubbly bunch of coconuts. No, but we got a lot. Circle, uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> and we all have them, and uh, there's been a, a quite a few that have really stuck out to me, and a few that have stuck out more than others. But uh, they're all they're all pretty witty and they're all pretty true. And, you know, some of you guys were just bold enough to just drop the obvious ones that are really really good and some of you guys took the uh mike tannenbaum route and just got super hipster with it um and it just i don't know it just it's just it makes a lot of sense i'm interested to know personally above all else sorry guys listening um the owns from you guys though your uh your season-wide owns you know the Uh thing that's like this is like the big moment i want to know what it is i want to know particularly I want to know particularly Micah's, honestly, because Micah, you're a, you're a you're an enigmatic individual. I'm I'm, I'm curious. That's a polite way of saying I don't care about anybody else's thoughts <laughs> except for what Micah thinks of this season. No, but uh, should we? Should, do you guys want to read theirs first and then ours? No, or? let's read let's read ours. Let's, let's okay. Let's do ours first because that's cool. But well, Micah's first because his is the most important. Clearly, oh, clearly, clearly yeah, a better yeah. own than, than either. <laughs> so than wait, Selena shouldn't you actually. save the best for last then? Oh, I see. Uh, well, then I'll go first. All right. Because mine sucks. A wise choice. I thought you were then going to go, okay, Eric, go first. She's <laughs> 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 like, oh, okay. No, I, I don't know. Mine's not that good, honestly. I don't. I, I can't. It's it's too much pressure. I don't know how many. So many of you guys send in these responses. You do this every week. You're always like sort of downplaying your own just in case. Yeah, they're always <laughs> I don't, good. I don't, think, I don't think that they're good. Honestly, like I said, you guys, everybody that's been sending them in, you guys are so bold, and I'm not bold enough. This is this is just a season of too much good stuff. You know what I mean? That's true. There were plenty of things to choose from. The actual own of the season. Personally, and this is a this is less of a of a situational own. This is more of an overarching own, which I think is appropriate for the question. But I feel like the own of the season is Baelish disappearing for episodes <laughs> and organizing the entire victory for the Lannisters. I feel like he was he was the best person. He was he was more valuable than Tyrion, being hand of the king, making his decisions. As far as the Lannister front goes, he was the most valuable because he saved King's Landing and he brought Tywin back to where he needed to be. So I think Baelish wins my own of the Zach, season. Zach, you're 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 breaking new ground, new entering new territory by uh, having an own happen completely off screen yep. of a television <laughs> series. I know. I just I felt like I felt like that was it. That was the one. That it's was kind the of a, it's kind of bad when uh, the, your favorite moment of season two is. Doesn't didn't happen. Didn't happen on the. It was just <laughs> well, implied, maybe I a mean, reference. I had a my favorite moment. moment. Was that be, <laughs> yeah. Selena, did your did your own happen on screen? Can we? Yeah, no. My favorite moment was when Arya she went into the forest and you know was looking for the heart tree, but then she didn't find it, and then yeah. Wait, heart tree. I told tree? you Wait. it was bad, guys. No, I told happen. you it was bad. Damn it. <laughs> okay, I, I don't even know. My fa- I had I had a few favorite moments, but I felt like this was the one that was the most like baller. Like he was he was. The, he, he did well, no, and he I, got himself a castle. Who I, else won a castle? Who else won a castle this season? You know what okay. I'm saying? Like, yeah, he won a castle. Yeah, I think, no, Zach, that's cool. And my own of the season actually also has Baelish in it. Um, but he, unfortunately, he was the one getting owned. I just think, looking back over the, the episodes, like, what I had chosen for 
each of the individual owns and then I compared them to, you know, each other then. And I just think that overall my, my own of the season is still Circe's uh, power is power demonstration uh, that she showed Valish when he was like, knowledge is power. And then she had all the knights dance and stand on one foot and then go to kill him. <laughs> so, she owned Schoolhouse Rock in that moment too, which I guess makes it more powerful. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So I, I still think that overall like that and even discussing um, where power comes from, which is what they were doing in that scene, mm-hmm. uh, to have uh, Baelish's point of view and then to have Cersei's so much more overwhelming uh, in practice point of view, uh, I thought was was a high point for me of the, of the whole season. Mm-hmm. So I guess cool. for me, I was sort of I was torn. I'm, I'm going to go the more traditional route and uh I'm going to say that uh, I think the, the, the beginning of the Jamie Lannister and Brienne of Tarth spinoff, you know, uh, sitcom <laughs> owned, pretty much owned my life oh, and therefore God. must own the season. Um, he, the whole, is that a woman thing? And uh, is the good Lord, is that a woman? <laughs> is that a woman? <laughs> was the best line of the oh, entire God. season. So yeah. there you go. Brienne has, has won my heart and my soul and uh, Jamie is a close second. Brilliant. Just brilliant. It's a, it is shocking how we can like somebody so much, a character so much, who threw Bran out of a window on the first episode. Isn't it terrible? That's what I've been Isn't saying all season, yeah. guys. Like, it's just ridiculous because, yeah, I mean, at this point, both like reading and watching watching the show and reading the books, Jamie Lannister is very close to being my favorite character. And I, I feel really <laughs> like, bad about the reason this. Bran has to pee like a little girl. Um, yeah. You know, but... Yeah. Still, <laughs> that's terrible. You know, I I thought a lot about this one too because I, I felt like I had to bring something that was unique. It wasn't, you know. So I understand, Mike. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually the same person I would give the owner of the season two back in season one. And Eric, you mentioned the quote earlier from Cersei when she says, "You know, when you play the Game of Thrones, you either win or you die. There is no middle ground." And I felt like she had another statement this season when she was talking to Sansa and she said, the more people you love, the weaker you are. And the reason why is because I feel like that's a, like an overbearing theme throughout a song of ice and fire series. And no matter who you're talking about, there's always someone that they're emotionally attached to that makes them weaker as a result, except for one person who I think we've talked about a lot this season, who's playing the ultimate game of Thrones because he doesn't have anybody that we know of, at least right now, that he cares about. He's isolated, and that's why I think he's kind of the master craftsman right now, and that's Varys. So right. anyone else uh. aside from that, you can make the case, because they have an emotional attachment to somebody, they're able to be played as a result of that. Even Bale. I thought you were talking about Hodor for a second there. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess you can the case Hodor, for Hodor. Hodor's not sure what century he's in. But he, yeah. no, but he cares about Braun. He cares about Rickon. He liked old Nan, yeah. too, before she uh, kicked the... See, yeah. she this, kicked is why, this is why Micah doesn't Micah's, like us. Micah's so obscure. Just, yeah, he just wants us to, you know, to keep his distance so he can play the game of owns. God, is that what's happening right now? Oh my <laughs> God! We are being played right Wait, now. Because remember a, who you there's love. There's a game inside of the podcast. Oh my <laughs> God! Oh, this is too much. This, this is, is too so much. Selena, did you tell? Did you tell Eric your idea from last week or last show? What was that? I don't know. I got to hear it. Whatever it is. 
The oh, it is owned. Yeah. Oh God, yes. What? Yes. Yeah. What's this? That is that is brilliant. It is owned, it's, Eric. It is it is owned. <laughs> it is owned. It is owned. All right, I gotta know this. People <laughs> listening to the show, write us back on uh, on our email or on Twitter or something. Um, who is playing the game of owns the of best owns. out of the four of yes. us? <laughs> I gotta know how you think that we're playing. I just found out about the game, Micah. so clearly yeah, I'm not too. playing well. <laughs> it has to be Micah. <laughs> all... I don't know. Micah's like the obvious person. Micah's like yeah. Stannis right now, mm-hmm. so we'll see. So did that mm-hmm. live up to your expectations, Zach, as an own? Yes. That was great. Yes, Micah, you slippery bastard. That did well, very well. <laughs> all right, I'm going to read oh, off some... I have some to say, but before we get to that, I just want to say, people are probably going to be tweeting us like mad, going, you should have mentioned Tyrion. So I just want to say Tyrion was my second, that speech he did. He was a brave man knocking at our door. Let's go kill them. That's fucking yes. in their asses. It was that. T- <laughs> yes. It was that. It was that. Theon Wrong guy, it was almost too obvious. That was before he died. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and so we're gonna source the zones of the season from respective locations across the internet that you guys have poured your infinite knowledge into. And uh, Selena is just bursting at the seams to to brag about the hypable audience <laughs> talking about this. So let's let's hear it, Selena. Let's throw I it down. I absolutely am. I absolutely am. Yes. On, uh, on Hyperbole.com, you guys have uh, been submitting your owns, and I was very pleased because I sort of feel like that goes directly to me. You know, uh-huh. no pressure, you people, uh-huh. but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> these are like mm-hmm. my owns. Okay. Um, so we had a lot to choose from, but just a few of them. Fairytale Vampire said that Tyrion Lannister completely owned season two, which I absolutely agree with. For Frodo quoted the infamous <laughs> moments. Uh, you all know Frodo. me, said Theon. I, we know you for a p- steaming pack of shit. Oh, said, perfect. Uh, she, she said that that's the first Farley, time Selena's but I don't think that's the, the name. Yeah. No, that's not not at I, all. I've cursed before. I just do it like subtly. Zach keeps a, an audio library of. <laughs> oh, I have all of her curses in a soundbite for a soundboard wow. we're building later. Um, no, but I don't. so by the the kennel master of Winterfell, and then we've have Laura, who is uh, one of the hosts of the Who Hype podcast. Is a plug for you there. She said um, the last episode where Brienne takes out the three guys. Which I absolutely agree with. Yeah, I agree. That was pretty darn good. Uh, here are some from Twitter. I feel like we have a couple or a bunch from Twitter. Um, first one's <laughs> Just from a few. Laura Mutton, and she says, not aired in UK till Monday, so hold your podcasting horses. Um, <laughs> sorry, Laura. Um, we actually weren't able to hold our podcasting horses any longer. We're, we weren't. We're breaking through with these owns of the season. We could barely hold Tyrion's horse, or, or sorry, oh, Tywin's horse. It's okay, Michael. Mara Bronze, okay. uh, or Mara Fricaro says, Bron owning Stannis' fleet with one flaming arrow. That, Only one. That and the rock crushing that one soldier's head. Epic carnage. <laughs> That's true. There was that the, as a carnage own goes. That rock in the head was was probably yeah. the, the greatest practical effect. <laughs> that visual effect didn't own necessarily, but the the thought of it definitely did own. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad they decided to put that in. Uh, yeah. Shelley O'Connell says Braun saving the hound. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted I wanted a spinoff series with those two. <laughs> that would be very violent, I feel. <laughs> uh, Amber Mooney Lupin um, quotes the Hound, which had a great speech there in Blackwater. Fuck you, dwarf. Fuck the Kingsguard. Fuck the city and fuck the king. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have I have two epic ones from Ryan McAllister, a.k.a. Larry the Wombat, on Twitter, who uh, I swear to God, he is convinced 
that the best way to get read on the show is to say the most ridiculous outlandish things he can. And I think that it has worked so far. It works. He says, uh, what does he say? Let me find it. I have to revisit Hodor totally owning those walnuts, (laughs) Uh, especially since I missed the deadline first time around. And his second one says, uh, and he wrote this on the Game of Thrones website, he said, at Harrenhal, when getting ready to sit and speak with Arya, Jack and Hygar totally owned a chicken. Assassin, gentle, but effective style. Get off a man's seat, Miss Cluckers. So yes, I, I believe that the chicken was owned as well, and that was another. <laughs> that's like an obscure Mike Tannenbaum. Moment. I think Micah is actually Larry the Wombat in secret. Mm. Oh wow, yep. that yeah. would make sense. Mm-hmm. I just want to share some some love for Daenerys because I feel like we kind of. <laughs> we did kind but of did anybody give her the um, own of the season? They did. Yeah, yes, Tariq on Hypable.com When Daenerys completely kicked ass At the House of the Undying She is so epic, how can that not be an own moment So there you go, Daenerys I would argue fan. against that being an own moment but okay. And we found Salida's pseudonym, Tariq That makes sense <laughs> um, That is me Again on, again on Twitter, uh, Jennifer K says uh, it's, it's a quote It's a specific uh, quote Sansa says, you were Robert's queen Cersei says, and you will be Joffrey's, enjoy Zing Zing and on the Game of Bones website, Matthew Potter says, I think Tyrion's threat to Cersei still takes the cake on this one. I recently rewatched the Seven Devils trailer, and the line with Peter Dinklage's delivery still gives me chills. I will hurt you for this. A day will come when you think you are safe and happy, and your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth. And you will know the debt is paid. So, yes, that Toko Smasho. That That'll probably good. be that in season four. Most likely. Uh, Jay- Jake S. says the hound owns when he said, quote, If any man dies with a clean sword, I will rape their fucking corpse. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then a scene later, he cuts a guy in half. It's interesting. We have such an obscure like uh, selection from the beginning of the season to the last part of the season. So, well done, everybody mm-hmm. who's been sending these in so far. These are Everyone these are, wanted to be original. It's great. Yeah, it's good selection. Cool. On the Game of Thrones website, Mike Kronos has a really good uh, sort of a, a breakdown of what owns has becoming what owns have become to mean to the people that listen to this show. And he says that he's noted down the three three very different types of owns: the battle own, which is like Tyrion channeling Gimli to cut through Stannis's warrior's leg. Okay, a hilarious own. He said, "All except Eric probably enjoyed Theon's ill-trusted first mate owning him first after his surprisingly good <laughs> yet dramatically ineffective speech." And there's the White Walker own, and this is uh, something that I mentioned. But he said, "Pretty sure Sam don't his pants while looking at the White Walker beside him." Well, on the bright side, at least he has something to burn for warmth now. Yes, oh that God, <laughs> <laughs> I that's, that's, that's why they don't like they they leave him alone because they're put yeah. off by the uh, smell of. I got one here on Hypable mm. from you. Serper seventeen. It's from. Tyrion. Wait, you can't read one from Mike from Hypo. You need to at least ask for for. Her, I for feel the usurped. <laughs> <laughs> seventeen okay, times playing well, the now game. I can't no, say his name and not read it, or her name and not read it. Yeah, you should read no, it. You if can. Selena has something mean to say to you, we'll just cut it it's out. It's from uh, Tyrion. It says, <laughs> "I forget who he was speaking speaking to. Uh, speaking to it says, I'm not questioning your honor. I'm denying its existence." It's, oh, he, what? He was the head of the Kingsguard. Yeah. yeah, who he sends yeah. to the wall. Who I'm drawing a blank yeah. on his name right now. Hodor? Oh, is it a Janice Slint? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Janice Slint. There you go. There you go, Micah. <laughs> there reading, you go. Reading my Helping own. Each other <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm so much better suited to read my own, Micah. <laughs> uh, let me find another one on Twitter. Um, Cyril Potter says, Owner of the season, the wildfire owns so many of Stanis' men, and it owned the water, too. Very good observation there, so Potter. Yes, it did. Owned it the owned water. the water. Yep. <laughs> Not a lot of fish in that area anymore, probably. Not a lot of fish in that area. Um, Antonio 
G says, Sansa's run at Joffrey's courage with, I'm so sorry, your grace, you're right, I'm stupid, of course you'll be in the vanguard. Of course you'll be in the vanguard. <sighs> that all fit on Twitter? Yeah, apparently. I don't believe it. A lot, a lot of big words there. Cheat codes. Cheat codes Cheat. on Twitter. <laughs> Tran Win on Twitter says, Jamie owned my Shrek viewing. He is Prince Charming. My childhood is now owned by a likable, incestuous man, owner of the season. So, I do wonder if they modeled him. He like, looks exactly look the like the Prince Charming. Exactly. And Donkey looks like Captain Creepyface. Oh, you found all of these parallels between Shrek, <laughs> Harry Potter, and Game of Thrones. Well done, everybody. That's too much. Well, there you have it, everybody. We've read a selection of your owns sent from owns of the season, and we'll continue to source some owns, maybe from the podcast, maybe from the subject material that we're discussing in later episodes as the podcast wears on in this offseason between the TV show and the TV show. Um, so I guess we can kindly say um, it is owned. Season two is owned. It's it is owned. Own. It's yes. over with. I don't even know how to say it. Like we're we're completely done with it. We can um, just go into some kind of like yeah, just hibernate. We have a uh, a buku, and by buku I mean an adjective that describes lots of things lined up for you guys in the off season. We were gonna visit some of that this episode, but we thought, you know what, we're all together. Let's let's meet back. Let's reflect. Let's let's do that whole thing where we uh, yeah. where we kind of we're like debriefing ourselves from season two <laughs> and sort of getting ready for the rest of what will be the Game of Owns podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll try to do both uh, book discussions and show discussions uh, on separate shows, so you guys can listen to some of them and not other of them if you don't want to be spoiled. If you guys look kindly to either Hypable or Game of Owns, we'll be posting more about this stuff. Um, as the week wears on in the interim between episodes, and you guys will have more information of all that. And um, just if you want to keep up on all of that, obviously you can just do that by visiting the websites or by having it handed to you in the form of one of our social media channels, which is at all places slash Game of Owns. If you want to contact us via email, that can be done at the address uh, that is forthcoming from my lips, contact at GameOfOwns.com. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also have Twitter, twitter.com slash Game of Owns. Uh, we're all individually on Twitter, which you will find um, either on the website or on Game of Owns' Follow Fridays. Yes. I always wondered who does those. I guess we know that it's Eric. Now. <laughs> yes. Can be followers. <laughs> and uh, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. As we've stated previously, anything less than five stars is unacceptable. Um, I think in the past we've threatened wildfire coming through the uh, headphones into your ears. We can also, um, you know, threaten something like Sir Ill and Payne coming to visit your home late at night. And uh, who wants to wake up to that? Or Captain well, Creepyface for that matter. Assassins, so yeah, exactly. Not, I don't want to speak your names. All right. But uh, in all seriousness, though, we do appreciate your reading and reviewing of this show. We read through the reviews and obviously uh, listen to a lot of what you guys have to say, take your feedback and use it constructively or ignore it depending on how negative it is. <laughs> I don't think we've actually gotten a negative review yet. No, I don't is, think which so. Is, which is Nobody nice. would do that because the threats work, you see. You have to you know, you know, We would totally just get together and shit talk somebody for an hour. Like, yeah. why, do you think, why do you think somebody said this about us? Like, do we know them? Do they yeah. know us? Mm-hmm. We'd be no. crying. The, really, the main purpose of these rating and reviewings um, is so you can help the show become noticed by other people that are like yourselves that love Game of Thrones and exactly. love everything to do with the show and the series and it really it really helps in that. So not only grow the base of the listener audience, but grow the base of your friends and people online that you talk with that 
are likewise individuals. And so a lot of you guys have been doing that and making friends with each other, either on the website, either on Hypeable or on the Twitter account or on Facebook. So it's nice to see you guys sort of meet and do all of that. So be sure to, if you're listening to the show and you haven't made a comment on either of those places yet, like come out and say hello because there's a lot of nice people and there's a few scary ones, but you can just ignore those people. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? There's another great place that you can meet people and share your thoughts. Oh, okay. Well, I guess this is, <laughs> I guess this is the part of the show where we can uh, make sort of the official announcement that um, the Game of Owns website has officially launched our forum, which we're calling the Forum of Westeros, which basically means, you know what, we think there should be one definitive location for all of you smart, charming people and just go online and meet each other and have fun talking about either the show, the podcast, the book series, basically anything. So if you head over to GameOfOwns.com slash forum, you'll find that um, we actually soft launched it a handful of days ago and haven't really talked about it at all. There's a few of you that are already in there talking about the books and sort of saying hello to each other. So go ahead and do that because there's some some nice people and uh, still the cool usernames before everyone else does. They don't want to think you're cool. Take Balon's balls before somebody else does. Oh, happy Father's Day to everybody's dads, by the way. And as I said on Twitter uh, to uh, the Game of Thrones account, um, happy Father's Day to Pimp Daddy Peter Baelish. Yeah. That was you. <laughs> <laughs> that was you. If you want to go on Hypable.com, uh, where you can find news and information about Game of Thrones and lots of other fandoms, that would be great. So we'll have a challenge not only to have the most interesting rating and review on iTunes this week, but also who can come up with the most interesting username. And uh, yeah, I don't know. You guys will win nothing, but you'll win respect, which in a lot of places on the internet is more important than money. Am I right, people? Yes, respect Absolutely. is money. Well, it helps in Westeros. <laughs> also, so does money. <laughs> I'm Selena Wilkin. I'm Zach Louie. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Mike Tenenbaum. Bye. 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 <laughs>